All right, everybody, welcome to this week's Learning the Tropes. I'm Aaron. I'm Clayton. And I'm your romance novel veteran. And I'm the virgin. And we're your hosts. Mm-hmm. Guys, so we are reading a book this week, or we read a book this week, um, that was a recommendation, and I'm going to read the little piece of the email that made us uh, want to read it. So this is from uh, Megan, and she emailed us at learningthetropespodcast at gmail.com, um, and she had a bunch of suggestions for us, but one was The Unleashing, Call of Crows Number 1 by Shelley Lawrenston. Um, and Megan writes, uh, the first in her Call of Crow series and a great introduction to the cheerful mayhem that is Shelley Lawrenston Shifter. Uh, these aren't traditional shifters, although the characters do have wings, locks of callouts to Viking culture and mythology. So much fun. If Vikings aren't your thing, you could always share the Hunter ba- Honey Badger Shifter series, which starts with Hot and Badgered, although I think the unleashing is a more welcoming dip in the pool. Lawrenston books can feel like chaos if you aren't used to her style. Um, so, you know, it's been documented on this podcast. We have had issues with shifters. So we thought this could be a good little side shifter book to try to get into because we do want to, uh, like shifters. I think we're, yeah, I think we're very stubborn Mm -hmm. and shifters is a huge part of certain romance genres. Mm -hmm. So we really want to find ones that we like. You know, I think it's yeah. just now like it's uh, it's it's we're uh, we're on a crusade <laughs> at this point to find the shifter. Yeah. Um, although the side changing series was pretty good. Y- yeah. You it's came the closest, around. I mean, it's the closest to it's the closest to me liking a shifter book, but I still didn't. I can't say I loved it. Yeah. Um, so, but before we get into this book, how we felt, um, let's judge the cover. Okay, so it's a guy, a buff guy in a hoodie with some crows flying around him. He's got his hands in his pockets, very nonchalant. Yeah. It, it Bare-chested. Bare-chested. Uh, he, he looks like an Abercrombie model. He does not look like Vig, our hero, at all. Because Vig is a huge Viking. Right, with a big beard and long hair. I guess this guy could have long hair, theoretically. Yeah, I mean, may, yeah, it, he does look like maybe he does have long hair under the hood, but he does not have a beard. He has, he has like two days or three days growth. He has like a mustache, a soul patch, and a little fuzz on his chin. What is that store that pe- they used to have the shirtless guys st- standing outside of? It wasn't Abercrombie. It was a different one. Hollister? Hollister. Because I remember I... There's a Hollister right on Broadway near where I used to live. And one time when I was really drunk, I had my friend take a picture of me standing outside of it shirtless. <laughs> no, Do we have that picture? No, Can we put that picture on the Insta? You know what it was? I wasn't standing up. I was <laughs> pretending to be passed out in front of it shirtless. <laughs> That's better. <laughs> yeah. I'll try and find that. You can't really see much, but uh, I, I'll try and find that photo. If I can find that photo... It's probably lost to time, though, because I mean, that was like 12 years ago or something. Oh, okay. Maybe less than that. It was probably eight or nine years ago. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll look it. I'll look for it. I'll That's look for so it. That's so funny. Yeah. But anyway, he looks like a Hollister model. Yeah. Uh, so he doesn't really show what this book is about. 
I got to have a beard. You know, like if beards are a part of your book, you got to show that beard. But didn't Sarah McLean to us maybe that beards on covers are like a big no-no or had been for a long time and only recently are okay. And this is 2015. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, because beards, I think, made men seem lazy and unkempt. Yeah. And obviously beards are very popular now and have been for many years in hipster, uh, I hate to use that word, but like hipster population in Mm -hmm. urban areas. But I think... You say that as you sit here with a beard. No, I don't really have much of a beard. I have a little bit of growth. Yeah. I have more growth than him. You do. But... I, I'm just I'm just lazy and unkempt. That's <laughs> that's why I can't be on a, a romance cover because I just haven't shaved in a little bit. It's the holiday season and tis the season to listen to audiobooks. That's what I say. Everybody's traveling around. They're buying presents. They're in the car. They need something to listen to. And why not listen to an audiobook? And if you're thinking about giving someone or yourself, because that's you can give yourself a present around the holiday season. You've earned it. Yeah. If you're thinking about giving yourself the gift of an Audible membership, now is the best time to do it with a special offer of 53% off your first three months. Through Audible, you can also access an unbeatable selection of audiobooks, including bestsellers, motivation, mysteries, thrillers, memoirs, romance. I was going to say the most important one. Yes, and more. Uh, you can choose three titles every month, one audiobook, and two exclusive Audible originals. You can't hear anywhere else. So you can listen to them on any device, anywhere, anytime with your Audible app. I listened to Tessa Dare's uh, Goddess of the Hunt while I was changing my closet from spring to winter. The- it's great. This was perfect. It was perfect. Uh, right now, for a limited time, you can get three months of Audible for just six ninety five a month. That's more than half off the regular price. You can choose one audiobook and two Audible originals absolutely free. So this holiday season, give yourself the gift of listening. Visit audible.com slash tropes. That's audible.com slash tropes, T-R-O-P-E-S. Or text tropes to 500-500. Clayton. Yeah. What was this book about? Oh, jeez. I knew you were going to ask me this. So... This book is about... We could do real bird's eye view. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> crow's eye view. A crow's eye view. Uh, Kara is our... Kira. Kira is our heroine. Mm-hmm. And she was murdered, brought back to life as a vengeful woman called a crow, which... The crows are just a group that aren't Valkyries. They're a separate group that are brought back to life. And they are usually given the powers of something they wish for right before they die. So she has super strength because she was fighting a guy in an alleyway and was wishing she was stronger to fight him off before she died. Uh, The guy who say, well, the guy who gave her a second life with this guy, Vig, who is a Viking, and he prayed to not Odin, but he prayed to, what was the god's name? Skuld. Skuld, who is the leader of the crows or the god of the crows, and prays to give her a second life. She gets a second life, is thrown into this living situation with a bunch of other crows who all 
beat the shit out of each other all the time and just fight. They don't seem to like each other. And they have to fight every night when their wings grow. No. Yeah. They have to fight every night. No, they don't. They only fight when they have a job and they, in their job, they're like, they have they jobs at night. People. They yeah. have jobs at night. The wings can come out any time, I think. Well, you are not allowed to fight until your wings come out. That oh, was okay. Kira's yeah. uh, thing, right? She couldn't, if she didn't have her wings, she couldn't fight. But then her wings came out and she was able to fight. And like, so Vig and her fall in love. But that's not the main drive of this book, which I think has us questioning whether or not it's actually a romance or not. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing about it is there's multiple points of view, not just Vig and uh, Kira's. We meet a character for two minutes and we see their point of view once or twice. And it it had me confused. Yeah. Well, sort of like Megan said in the email, Lawrenceton books can feel like chaos. Yeah, I yes. would agree. I think this book, as I was reading it, I was like, this isn't a romance. Because the two things you need for it to be a romance are happily ever after and a central love story. And I would not say this was a central love story. No. So Kira dies. She comes back to life. You you start the book with her basically waking up in this mansion in Malibu um, where all these women are around. You don't meet the hero for a significant amount of time. And even then, you're not really sure who the hero is. Like, I had to keep checking back to, you know, what is this book about? To be like, who am I even trying to, supposed to be paying attention to? Um, and it's a, you hear a lot from Aaron Amstel, who is her, like, mentor crow. And a very, very bad mentor. And a really, truly awful mentor. But you, you're, you spend most of your time with Aaron... And basically very little time with Kira, very little time with Vig. And to the point where, like, they are basically side characters. So I'm like, I don't even think this is a romance. I think this is just, like, a fantasy novel with some explicit sex in it. Because there was explicit sex between her, between Kira and Vig. And it was, but the... Well, he, so I will say, though, because you did text... Uh, earlier and say, I don't think this is a romance. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to have to, you know, this, what are we going to do if this isn't actually a romance? Right. But I will say, I do think that there is, it's not central, but you do most of the time have the point of view of either Vig or Kira. And the only other person that has a lot of point of view is Aaron. Mm-hmm. Now, Aaron not you, Aaron, Aaron in this book. Yeah. I could give two shits about what Aaron was seeing or thinking because she had nothing to do with what I was interested in, which was that romantic relationship because there was a little bit of acuteness between Vig and Kira because he used to go to the coffee shop she managed and he hated it. He didn't even like the coffee. He had just stumbled into it one day because he was in the area and thought she was cute, and she was the only one who would talk to him because he has a thousand-yard stare from all his combat, which he likes to use on people so they get, get scared of him. But she was not scared of him because she's an ex-Marine. So he kind of had a crush on her and would go out of his way to go to this coffee shop. So there is a level of we do see he teaches her how to 
fly, teaches her how to land, teaches her how to kill because mm-hmm. he takes her up to uh, Asgard and 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 where you can just kill warriors because they're already dead and they come back the next day. Mm-hmm. But there, I do think they are the main characters of the book. What made it confusing is when you would shoot off and be uh, from the viewpoint of like jace or one of the other crows that why couldn't we just have this be from a point of view of vig or kira i guess it's because they wanted to the author wanted to make it a more expansive book but it does do a disservice to the romantic center of it which is what we were expecting well then it's just not then you're writing a fantasy novel which is totally fine but that's not a romance and i think this like the amount of time we spent away from the main couple in situations that had nothing to do with either one of them was, and even in scenes where Kira was there, we were at the point of view of like Aaron or Chloe or someone else. We learned a lot about Chloe and she's getting divorced from the leader of the Ravens. Vig is a Raven. Yeah. And which is basically like a crow except for their guys. But it, it made it really frustrating because also it's like their story of just like Vig and Kira, I liked. Yes. Like I think if all of the bullshit was taken away of like all the other points of view, it's confusing. It's really hard. Um, and it was just their story. I think I would have liked this a lot. I did find it interesting. I felt all of the Norse mythology was really interesting and sort of how things were grouped and everything, what the roles were, like the idea of women's anger as a powerful force. I loved all of that, but I could not get into this book and I ultimately did not like this book because there were just too many of the other points of view. And I think if this had been marketed as just a fantasy with romantic elements we wouldn't be reading it for this podcast, but then I would be fine. But if you tell me it's a romance novel and then I'm spending a ton of time not with either of the main characters, I'm mad. And also, so many characters being introduced at the exact same time, which is just like a stylistic thing that I can't stand. I get you're trying to build a world. I get you want her to be basically a part of this sorority and you want to see that there's a lot of different women doing a lot of different things, but it is so confusing and hard to follow when you meet or meeting like five people at a time even when she goes to asgard and then she goes to the big meal afterwards you meet all these characters get point of view from these characters that i'm like who the hell are these bitches like it's just too much i just and i and i couldn't and it was also the names were very there was like a lot of guys with names that started with the letter s and i don't know if that is like a screenplay thing but you just like don't start characters with the same first initial it's confusing. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's hard to say I didn't like this book because there was a lot I liked about it. And, you know, obviously we don't like to be negative, but ultimately, like, that was my frustration where it's like, I I just wanted to, like, tear away everything else and then just basically be, be with this couple that I thought was interesting. And we've read books for, before with, like, expansive... Like, I know you didn't love Grid and Bearded, but, like, that is a story about a town and this big family and everything. And it, you never felt like you weren't with Sienna or Jethro. And with this, I felt like we spent a lot of time just being like, well, what are they thinking? They also had no obstacles in their relationship at all. Once she realized that he was the one that brought her, gave her her second life. She was like, I always thought you were cute. And then they were just were like fucking and hanging out, which is like fine too. But then this isn't a romance. You yes. Know what because I mean? 
the outside elements were bigger than the romance. Right. And the romance should have been what they were fighting for. Mm-hmm. And they never had to fight really for their love. No, and they never like had a misunderstanding or there was never a second where it was like, are these two not going to be together? It was like, yeah, they're going to be together forever. Her biggest challenge in this book was not learning how to love or love Vig. It was learning how to kill. Yeah. That was what we got from this is that in order to be a great crow, you have to kill. And she is somebody who is was in the military where she killed, I'm sure, but it was for what she believed a reason and a lot of the times they would just kill people for jewelry because it belonged to a god and the god wanted it back and they would just murder everybody around the, what frustrated me about this book was too like all the things you said but also this is the the way this was set up was her initiation into this group of crows was like the worst onboarding of a company ever like when you join a company and they don't tell you what the expectations are, what to do, where to go, what this company does, what this company does, and you have to learn from somebody that doesn't even work for the company, which was Vig, because Vig would constantly say, "Wait, they didn't teach you how to fly, they didn't teach you how to land, they didn't teach you how to do this or this or this," and I was like, "So the girls just seem to hang out, the women just seem to hang out because a lot of them." They all got their second lives. And in their second lives, they all decide it's gonna, they're going to be way more successful than their first life. So even if they did not succeed in their original life, they're now uh, attorneys, they're psychologists, they are actors and writers and all these uh, big things. And the only reason they're able to do it is because they're being bankrolled, mm-hmm. which is actually not completely unrealistic. No, makes in the sense. fact that most... Famous people or people who succeed have some sort of money coming from somewhere. I was not a fan of learning about all the different things the women did because the more interesting thing was that they just flew around and killed people. And they were so brutal with each other. The kind of violence that was in the fights, but also when they would interact with each other and make each other mad, they would like slam each other against stuff. The men would do the same thing. Vig would take one of his uh, Viking brothers or his Raven brothers and just smash his head against a car. It seemed like the violence never had any stakes because they could heal fast. She was just being thrown up and beaten up and stuff, and it never felt like it mattered. Right. And also, it was just interesting because there is this one part where these witches have stolen a necklace and they sort of trick the witches into giving the necklace back instead of murdering them all. And that was her idea. I assumed that maybe the lesson would be, oh, you don't always have to murder everybody. No, the lesson is she fucked up and she should have murdered all those witches. (laughs) And you have to learn how to kill, which is just an it's not what I expected. It's an interesting take on it because then also... There's uh, they also fly into this uh, area where this guy is has this bracelet and he's going to kill this his girlfriend. He's going to sacrifice her again. Kira doesn't kill this guy and he comes back to bite their ass again. So, again, it's reiterated. You have to kill. Killing is the thing you have to do. Don't ever hesitate. But the problem with that is that we still have a character whose morality is 
uh, getting in the way of killing somebody, which is what the hero is supposed to do in books, or at least that's what we've been taught. And that can be annoying because especially sometimes I feel like, and we've, we've agreed on this too, we're more likely to say kill that person in a novel than some people are. Mm-hmm. I'm like, kill them. If you feel like they're going to come back to bite you in the ass, kill them. But those witches didn't seem like they did just seem like people dabbling in uh, Wiccan stuff and had found something that was too powerful for them. And so maybe they could be rehabilitated. So I was not on the side of killing all those witches. I guess I have some sort of morality now, too. (laughs) But I never I would always think in books, oh, kill that person. They're going to come back. They did not seem like the kind of people that would come back. Yeah. I think it was just very jumbled. And then there was a lot about Betsy being the seer. And she was like this powerful agent in Hollywood. And she had assistants who sucked or who didn't suck. No. She was bad to her assistants. She was mean to her assistant who then ends up being the carrier for this. Uh, this powerful goddess. Yeah, this powerful go- goddess who comes back. But it, honestly, it's like at that stage, because you have no idea where to focus your energy. There are no stakes. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's, I think what like by the end of the book was frustrating to me is like, I just didn't care. Yeah. Because every time you introduce a new point of view, why am I with this person? Why do I care? A lot of times it ended up being nothing. So then finally when it was like, Oh, this is supposed to be the big thing at the end. I was like, Oh, I don't really care mm-hmm. because you haven't earned me giving a shit about anybody because you threw so many people at me. Yes. You know what I mean? And normally this is the sort of thing like, you know, maybe at the end of a 10 book series, there's a lot of people I care about, but you've earned it. And I feel like here that it was just too many things going on. I mean, what she said, the chaos. And I was like, well, maybe I'm just reading this. I don't like chaos. If somebody does like chaos, they will like this book. Yeah, I agree with all the different people being thrown at you is is too much. And and also like, yeah, if you whittle it down to that central relationship, I would have really liked this book. Because mm-hmm. I thought Vig was hot. I liked that he seemed like a scary dude when you first saw him. And then he turned out to be a sweetheart who was really helpful to her. She was fiery. They kept saying how her thighs were too big to be an actress. Or like she was too short to be an mm-hmm. actress. They say that several times. She has her dog, Brody Hawaii, who she went to move to Hawaii with him, who ends up when she is getting resurrected – or about to be resurrected, she says, I won't go without my dog because she is bonded to this dog. And so the dog had to die in order to be reborn as a crow because the dog has wings and metal teeth and stuff because he was part of, she saved him and he had gotten his uh, teeth pulled out. So he got metal teeth because I guess a dog's wish also is something that is granted by this god when they come back. Yeah. But, you know, there was this, running thing where all the other crows wanted to take this dog for a walk and she was mad because she she wanted that dog to be her dog but they end up like you know all loving it and becomes the you know the mascot uh but she had the one uh aaron says you killed your dog and she said oh she said your dog's dead she goes what do you mean my dog's dead in order for it to come back and be with you, you it had to die and so she gets all mad about this, but it's like, okay, but it's still alive. Like it's, it's the second death the same way you are. So it's not like you didn't do anything bad. If anything, you helped this dog even more. Cause then if you're dead, the dog would just 
die in the apartment because it wouldn't have anybody to take care of it. Right. So you did save that dog. That's like a very heroic thing to do. But the fact that she got all pissy and Aaron said that just, I mean, Aaron's like a, not a likable character. No. And we spend a ton of time with her. Yeah. And also there's this whole thing where Brody gets loose and he ends up going back to get revenge on the people who had him like a a dog fighting ring, which I liked, but we went there with all of these side characters and not any of our main characters. So I'm like, why do like, uh, okay. Once I figured out what was going on, I was like, okay, well this is kind of cool, but also I don't care uh-huh. cause it's all these side characters. Whereas it like had Vig lost Brody and then Vig had to track him down. Okay. I care. I'm invested. Like this means a lot more, but that it was just like a bunch of women who like to go running with the dog and then lost the dog. You know what I mean? It's just like, I don't care. And then part of me was also like, this would be a great romance if it was Kira and Aaron. And almost that could have been the that could have been the main couple. And that would have made a lot more sense to me. And I and I would have liked it. And it would have earned the amount of time we're spending with Aaron. But it wasn't. Mm-hmm. We were reading this book through the prism of romance Mm -hmm. and all the things that we're saying we don't like are the things that aren't romance about this book. Right. So I think that's what extra frustrated us was we believed this was a romance. And so we were what we were expecting was a romance. And what we got was, like you said, a fantasy novel and it didn't live up to our expectations. And that was frustrating. Now, what did you think about the female, quote unquote, friendships in this book? Because I know you're a big fan of close friends, close girlfriends, things like that. Now, I know they weren't supposed to be close girlfriends, at least Kira and Aaron and Chloe and all them. But those the crows were supposed to be uh, like, let's go out and fight and, and kill together and bond through that. And I never felt like they liked each other. It felt like a sorority in the way that like people who don't like sororities talk about it, where it's just like sort of buying a friendship. It's like they all would say, you're my sister. We're sister crows. Like we look out for each other. It never felt real. It never felt like that was earned. It never felt like you really had any like love and respect between each other. Or even that it was like people of different backgrounds coming together and really enjoying each other's company like there was none of that well that was so what was cool though is that they were diverse so the crows aren't valkyries the valkyries are more of the swedish norwegian kind of you know like there's a bloodline there's a bloodline the crows are in a way the people who are um Great warriors, but they're not of that same bloodline. So they can be any kind of race. They can be any sort of makeup, which I thought was a cool concept Mm -hmm. because Kira is not white. She was a person of color. Uh, And I thought that was cool that this like ragtag group was, I don't want to say completely shunned, but a little bit. They were the misfits, which Mm -hmm. I always root for. And I like that. But I don't think that they got along well enough to say, to make it seem like this is a good idea. Like, look how diverse people can work together for a common goal. It was like, no, you put all these different women in a place and they're going to want to kill each other. And the only thing keeping them from killing each other is the fact that they were raised from the dead and have to get along. It just didn't seem like, unless, you know, this is the first book. But these, some of these people have been together for years and years and years and should be able to get along. 
uh, and they don't. And that was that wasn't cool for me. No, I didn't. Yeah. Wow. Is that all you have to say about it? I mean, I guess. I mean, it's really the thing about this is like, don't read this expecting a romance. Right. I think if you read this through a pure fantasy lens, you might really like it. I mean, I love I love the Viking thing. I love I think I would read a romance that had to do with Valkyries and Vikings and even just between two Valkyries or two Vikings. But I this wasn't this wasn't really a romance, so it wasn't what I was expecting. And the sex was fine, but there was so little of it. Well, and it's also that thing of, like, the sex being something that adds to the story and moves the couple forward, where I never felt that way with this. Like, them having sex, it was just, like, two very attractive people who are into each other having sex, which is fine, but I didn't feel like it was ever, like, earned or I ever really cared, kind of, because we just didn't spend enough time with them, and I didn't really know either of their, like, inner struggles or how they really felt about each other. And yeah, so yeah, they had sex. Like I guess it was good sex, but it was, uh, hmm. mm. yeah, yeah. But speaking of sex, oh, speaking of sex, would you fuck them? You know, this is an interesting one because I do think I would fuck them, even though I've not fucked people in romances I've liked. Mm-hmm. But I mean, Vig. He's a big, huge Viking dude. So and how he seemed I, pretty great. Yeah. So how am I supposed to say no to that? And he reads. Yeah. And 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 Kira seems sexy. Mm-hmm. Like she was topless a lot. I was into that. <laughs> like I'm. I uh, I thought that was cool that her first fight she was pretty much nude. And uh, yeah. So I would fuck them both. Me too. Yeah. I did like them. I think that's also why like th- this book frustrated me so much because it's not like it was just like, you know, because we've read books we just didn't connect with anything. But this is like, I really liked them and I wanted it to be about them and it just wasn't. Mm-hmm. And so that was frustrating to me. But yeah, me too. Both sexy. Into it. Well. Oh, Goodreads, right? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> all right. So this was on a ton of lists. And, and these are all romance lists mm. or just lists. <laughs> we'll see. I will be the judge. Listen, you're not going to have to wonder for very long. Okay, okay. Uh, but but I want to know now, <laughs> right now. Uh, 2015 paranormal romance slash urban fantasy, January to June. I I, I guess I'm that's sure when that's it when came, it came out. out. Yeah. Uh, best funny paranormal romances. Not funny. Nope. Valkyries. There was Valkyries. Yes. His sister is a Valkyrie. Cat Katya. 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 Um. Guess who the heroine of the second book is. Oh, um, gosh, there's so many. That's the thing. There's so many to choose from. Is it an unorthodox one? Is it Jace? Yeah. Jace. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. Wow. It's not even Aaron is the next. Ugh. Yeah. Because why? That's the thing. If you were sowing the seeds for Aaron's <clears throat> romance, I could see there's no reason to have a point of view from her. I mean, I've seen point of views for B romances, but I, yeah. I never have. So real quick. So this isn't as unorthodox as Normally I think. Normally you have just like in um, The Heiress Effect by Courtney Milan. We haven't read that together, but I read it on the Shelf Love podcast if you want to check that out. Um, Great plug. Yeah. It's, it was really fun. 
but there it's basically two sisters and so like the main story is one sister falling in love the b story is the other sister falling in love so you're in that point of view but their stories end up intertwining pretty significantly towards the end so it sort of makes sense um and also it's like another romance and i've seen other books um where you do spend a little time towards the end with maybe a third character, not never 25 at like how this is, but like if they're sort of setting something up for the next book that you might spend like a page and a half of another character. It's, it's very, this is not normal. Okay. Yeah. Strong experienced heroine, romance, erotica, ETC, et cetera. Oh, okay. Cause I was going to guess what ETC was, yeah. which is et cetera. Mm-hmm. So, what is what, what? Sorry, what was that list again? Strong, so experienced heroine. I mean, strong, but she wasn't experienced. The whole book was about how she had no experience being a crow. But maybe sexually, they mean. Yeah, she fucked. Yeah, I love a woman in uniform. She wasn't really in. I mean, she, well, she was, was a marine. She was a marine. Okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then they would just go around in tank tops because mm-hmm. they had wings. Yeah. So that was their uniform when they fought, like black boots and and tank tops it's pretty hot i found a girl with wings yeah yeah um some of them were wearing six inch louis vuittons which seems uh, almost impossible but i guess if you fly does it matter what's on your feet yeah that's right they they didn't have they didn't have a uh uh like a a a dress code right it's not like if they were walking towards the subway you know um best viking themed i mean i wouldn't say best but it's viking themed Tough girls, military and ex-military heroines in contemporary romance. True. Winged heroes and heroines of romance. Yes, because he, he had wings as well. Both had wings. Uh, best rom-com books. Huh? Uh, no, this isn't a rom-com. No, not at all. Tattooed lady, best romance novel heroines with tattoos. She is tattooed and she allows Aaron to tattoo her again, which seemed like crazy because they did not really get along all that much no they did not get along aaron is set up as being a very good tattoo artist but has no tattoos herself which is questionable well because she's half jewish and maybe wants to get buried in a jewish cemetery even though she's going to go to asgard and fight during ragnarok so who knows yeah hey teach her teach their own listen but if you're just coming in off the street do you know all that is she going to be like, actually, I'm a crow, which like means that I have wings and That's I can true. fight in Asgard. I would be like, you know. Anyway, so she ends up doing like a Filipino, like, like, myth, I don't know, like calligraphy type stuff. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, fine. Um but if your tattoo artist doesn't have any tattoos, that's a warning sign. That's for what me. I'm saying. Yeah. Like I always It's like if you went to a dentist and he was wearing like a full set of dentures, I'd be like, what's happening here? <laughs> Maybe he had a bad dentist in the in the day and he was like, I got to be a better dentist than my dentist was. You would have to say that to me. Asian or mixed Asian heroines. She's Filipino? Yes. So yes. A male positive feminist romance. I don't get it. Well, they're not the men aren't all jerks. Like yeah. Vig is a good guy. So it's not all the guys are bad, mm-hmm. but also in most romances, there's at least one good guy. Right. Otherwise, yeah. But maybe there are feminist romances that are man-hating, but I don't know. We've never read any of them. No, and I doubt they exist. Okay. Uh, romance in Nordic lands and or Nordic he- heroes and heroines. Yes. So yeah, a Nordic hero, they were in Southern California. 
they were never in Ragnarok. I mean, not Ragnarok, Asgard. Asgard. Rage on, romance heroines and anger. Yeah, there's a lot of anger. Jace was a berserker. Mm-hmm. Romance with trauma survivors, MCs. Yes. Mm-hmm. What's an MC? Oh, main character. Yeah. I almost said it. But I know. But you gave me the look of shut the fuck up. <laughs> no, that wasn't what the look said. <laughs> the look said, let me try this myself. <laughs> I want to learn to fly on my own. Mm-hmm. Okay. You did. And you flew right into those MCs. Yeah. Uh, blacksmith, Mason, builder heroes. Yes, because Vig was a guy who made weapons. Which is cool. Another sexy. Vig, very sexy. Yeah. And he made, but he made weapons for the giant killers who always try to kill the Vikings, which is cool. And he's like, they paid a lot of money. And she's like, aren't you worried that you're going to get killed by something that you made? And he's like, "Eh, it's better than getting killed by something I didn't make. (laughs) He's cool. (laughs) Vig is really cool. Um, LA Romance, best romance novels in Los Angeles. Um, wouldn't say best, but it's definitely in Los Angeles. Yeah. Dogs, great pets and romance. Yeah, Brody was cool, although he was uh, she. I keep saying he because I think all dogs are male, but that's not true. <laughs> uh, she was pretty much anybody gave her attention would uh, like take her away. She didn't seem to be protecting mm-hmm. Kira too much. I did think it was funny how Kira was like, because Brody is a pit bull, she was like, you're representing all pit bulls. So you always have to do the right thing. So whenever Brody would go off running with people, he'd be like, now remember, she's yeah, representing yeah. all pit bulls. That did make me laugh. I liked that. And yeah, I mean, all dogs are the best dog is sort of my point of view. Then this was a very good dog. Uh, best man fiction. Best man fiction. I don't get it. Like, the best men in fiction? Or this is fiction a man would read? I I, I, I mean, I could see where... Uh, depending on what kind of personality you have, uh, I could see this being something a man could read because of all the violence, not to be stereotypical. I didn't necessarily think it was more enjoyable because of the violence. I... I mean, I wanted a romance, so I wanted more romance and less violence. But, yeah, I don't – I'm confused by yeah. that list. So, you know, I don't need to know everything, so I can stay on it. I've loved you for years. Yes, because he would go into this coffee shop and, and he, he was and in love with her. Which yeah. was really cute, too. That was cute. Six bear cute... claws. I know. Jeez. Six bear claws. That's a lot. I ate a quarter of a donut and I'm still feeling it. Oh, yeah. Those donuts were great, though. Oh, they were really good. You ate two. Did. Well, I had two and a half. <laughs> All right. I Clay- snuck the last half. <laughs> As did. if that mattered after you eat two. <laughs> That's it. Because we were at like a leftover potluck the day after Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And donuts are an underrepresented dessert item. Like they somebody brought donuts and I was like, ah, oh, this is genius. Well, you know what's great about donuts is there's an assortment of them and they are handheld. Mm-hmm. So they're not like cakes where you have to and pies where you have to take slices and, and make no one it all ever messy. wants to be the first person to cut into a cake or a pie. Yeah, and cookies are great. Don't get me wrong, I love a cookie. But sometimes, like, yeah, donuts are very smart. I think I'm going to start bringing donuts places. Yeah, I mean, I would love that because I'm a lot of places you end up coming. Yeah, <laughs> maybe for the learning the tropes Christmas party, I'll bring some donuts. Oh, doing a Christmas party? Yeah, we did one last year. Remember? We did. Yeah, we did the oh podcast yeah. Christmas party. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Yeah. yeah. Bring donuts, please. I will. Um, oh, yeah. Clayton, what are your tropes? Military vet heroine, winged heroine, 
dog-loving heroine, Viking hero, PTSD, because there seem to be a lot of people with PTSD in this book, or she thought Vig had PS, uh, PTSD, but he really was just like, well, I guess he, uh, I mean, he's pretty traumatized from violence, I think, mm-hmm. but we don't really get into it with him. Um, murdered heroine, resurrected oh, yeah. heroine, girl power, kind of. I mean, I guess that was the aim. Uh, and flying dog, mm. which, you know, some romances could have more of. I know. You know, we're missing it sometimes. I feel it. Aaron, what are your tropes? I have Viking mythology, good dog, loved Brody, a military heroine, paranormal romance, bearded hero, wings, uh, hero teaches heroine how to use new special skills, um, a giant hero because he was like 6'5", a Filipino heroine, hero is a blacksmith. Because he makes those weapons. Andrea from the Shelf Love podcast loves blacksmith, so this could be one she might be into. Um, those are my tropes. Yeah, blacksmith's a good one. Oh, yeah. There's a great Tessa Dare book called Beauty and the Blacksmith, and it's like a novella. It's perfect. What's great about it is because you can see a man making something, which is hot. Musly. you got to be musly if you make things, especially uh, like with metal. forging iron. Yeah. You're sweaty. And it's you're hot. Sweaty. And you're sweaty. Mm-hmm. So I think actually being a blacksmith would be a great job for me because mm-hmm. I am a sweaty guy and this would give me more of a reason to be able to sweat at my job. Like if you're just working in an office and you're sweaty, it's like what's going on there? But if you're a blacksmith, <laughs> it's okay to be sweaty. Yeah. Plus you're working out while you're working. I think this could be a new thing for you. Yeah. And there are totally – Forges in Brooklyn. There have to be. There's got to be. Yeah. I'll find you one. I think that's a good career. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll think about it. Yeah. Um, all right, Clayton. What has he swooning this week? Well, Aaron, thanks for asking. Um, my swoon is a book, and it's a book about running, which I used to, back in the day, I ran, I still, I've started to run again. I'm really refining my engine and my, passion for running because i think uh not everybody but most people i think have like a a a physical activity or something that they really love to do whether it be like yoga or mma or uh (laughs) went straight from (laughs) yoga to mma oh yeah i have tons of friends who just like beating the shit out of someone in a cage exactly yeah so uh, for me it's running running has always been a huge part of my life it's gotten me through a lot of things and uh, I just recently got back into running, and when I, before when I would run uh, long distances, I would run like you know six days a week, pretty much, five miles a day. I don't do that anymore. I hope to get back up to that. But I used to read a lot of books about running. There was a time where I, if it, a book about running came out, I would read it, and I kind of that fell off when I stopped running and. I always try to go back to those books and get some inspiration. And there's a book that came out recently that I picked up and I loved, and it was called Running to the Edge, A Band of Misfits and the Guru Who Unlocked the Secrets of Speed by Matthew Futterman. Now, it's a mouthful. You really can just call it Running running to the Edge. But it's about a coach, a running coach, who figured out that you have to push yourself to the edge to be able to 
run mileage, high elevation, all these things. And this is in the 50s, 60s, and 70s when people didn't know much about running. And the first half of this book is about just this group of kids that he got together and kind of taught how to run to their best ability. I was really inspired by this book and it gave me uh, like more motivation to go out and run because it's, it's so hard when you're busy, especially when you get older, you have just more responsibilities, you have more things you have to do. Uh, the energy it takes to just even get up and go is a lot more. So it's great to have books like this that I can read and really motivate myself and be like, this is, this is a part of my identity that I want to continue to have. And it's, it was super inspirational. So if you're a runner or want to become a runner or just interested in sports and people trying to push themselves to the limits of their physicality, then uh, Running to the Edge by Matthew Futterman. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. That sounds really good. Erin, what has you swooning? Um, so I'm swooning at about a band, which is a very Clayton thing to do. Uh, and the band is called uh, First Aid Kit. I keep almost saying Thirst Aid Kit, which <laughs> yeah. is a podcast where just two women talk about like men they find sex aid, which is also great. And we'll swoon about that too, sure. But First Aid Kit. And it's, um, I actually don't know anything about them as a band other than they are Canadian, possibly. They're two sisters. They're two sisters. Oh, I didn't know if they were sisters. I believe they're sisters. I might be wrong. Um, anyway, I came across them on, um, there's a playlist for Daisy Jones and the Six on Spotify, and they have a song on there called Emmylou, which I really loved, which is about Emmylou Harris and Graham Parsons, and, um, so I just started listening to all of their stuff, and they're fantastic. They're, like, kind of, like, a folk, poppy kind of music, um, like, that very, like, Laurel Canyon vibe that I really, really love, and it's great for just sort of, like, driving around or as you're doing stuff in the house to just have them on. Um, I really love their lyrics as well. There's a particular song that I really love called Stay Gold um, that is just I've, I've felt really connected to recently, and it's sort of about wa- just working really hard and wanting to know that your work will pay off and not knowing and sort of that that how difficult it is to sort of like toil not knowing what the outcome is going to be. Um, and really hoping it could be something big, but you just, you don't know while you're in that moment of creation. Um, so, uh, I really love them. I'm sure we'll have a link, but they're really, really, really fantastic. So first aid kit. And they are sisters. And they're sisters. I checked. Yeah. I don't know. I, sometimes I want to know everything about a band and then sometimes I want to kind of know nothing and I kind of want to know nothing about them. Yeah. That's, uh, they have such a otherworldly vibe mm-hmm. almost. And you, yeah, it's, it's kind of. Yeah, it ruins the mystery. I think more yeah. bands should have mystery. Aaron, mm. where can they find us? Um, so you can always email us, learningthetropespodcast at gmail.com. We love getting recommendations. We love getting um, just how you found us. You want to say hi. I eventually respond to everybody. Sometimes it takes me a little bit, and I apologize. But we always appreciate it. We always love it. We always read them. Um, we're on Twitter at Learning Tropes. We're on Instagram at Learning the Tropes. We have our Facebook group, the Learning the Tropes Troop. On the Facebook group, probably we already have what our January books are going to be. It's a January is going to be big, guys. It's going to be real big. So um, you might want to go ahead and join us on the troop. Um, also, rate, review, subscribe. We always ask you. You guys always do such a fantastic job of doing that, too. So we really, really, really appreciate it. Um, next episode, a Wallflower Christmas. This is big. This is very, very big. 
Clayton has been wanting this. Clayton wanted to make sure he was a good boy all year so he could get this Wallflower Christmas. Yeah. Um, I'm going to check in with the girls. I'm very excited. And you know what? On the 26th, I'm going to be bad. <laughs> Boxing Day is going to be a rough one for oh, you. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So bad. Um, and finally, Learning the Tropes is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you love at frolic.media backslash podcast. All right, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.